This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Two college students were studying for a final exam. One was worried. His grades had been low, and they were getting lower. He was afraid he was going to fail the course. But the other student, in a gallant attempt to encourage his friend, said, Now, don't worry. Everything's going to work out all right. Two days later, they took the final examination. The one who was so worried failed the exam, failed the course, and finally flunked out of school. A marriage was having trouble. The woman whose marriage was hurting confided in her sister. The sister, wanting to say the helpful thing but not knowing just what to say, finally offered these words. Now, don't cry. Everything's going to work out all right. The woman's husband, though, finally moved out, but not to an apartment where he might have gone. He moved directly into the home of the woman he had been seeing all along, the third party and the trouble. The accountant was in serious conversation with the owner of a small business. He was trying to tell the owner that his present financial policies were irresponsible and that he would surely go broke if he didn't make some hard, necessary decisions. But the owner did not want to face the hard words that were being spoken by his accountant. And he turned them off with the glib phrase, Ah, everything's going to work out all right. But soon the business fell into the hands of the bank. Things did not work out all right. The bank ran the business until a loan was repaid to the bank. And when the bank ceased to manage the business, the owner again became irresponsible and the business finally died. A son hurries home. Dad is sick in the hospital. The mother is troubled. She fears that her husband is not going to get well. The son worries as much about his mother as he does about his sick father. So to reassure his mother, the boy says over and over again, Now, Mother, don't you worry. Everything's going to be all right. And stories like this have happened so often that you can just about tell me how it goes from here. The father is just as sick as the mother fears. He does not get well. The mother is widowed. Her life is drastically changed. The sermon this morning is about the phrase, everything's going to work out all right. Why do we say that? What does the Bible say about it? As Christians, how can we believe that everything is going to work out all right? That's what this sermon is all about. Why do we say everything's going to work out all right? Well, at heart, most of us are incurable optimists in many respects. We want to believe that good is going to triumph. We want to believe that the nice guys are going to win. If we see a movie or television drama where it turns out all wrong, where the good guys lose in the end, the bad, bad guys win, we come away with an unhappy feeling somewhere down inside ourselves. 
We all want to believe that the world is basically a friendly place. We want to believe that our neighbors are honest, hardworking, and dependable. We want to be able to trust others in business. And we try to give others a chance to prove themselves to be trustworthy. When somebody promises us something and then they don't deliver, we're let down because we wanted to think the best about others. We like to hear good things. Encouraging words from the Chamber of Commerce make us happy when we hear, we live in a good place. Our city, our town is going to prosper. Everything's going to work out all right. When I was a little boy, there was a song that set forth this idea very cleverly. Uh, I won't sing it, but some of you who are older might know that song. You've got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative, and don't mess with Mr. In-Between. This spirit of blind optimism runs real deep in our culture. We often fantasize life. We make much of the idea that everything is sweet and wonderful, trying to soften the hard reality that otherwise would lead us to despair. Why is Disney World and Disneyland, why are they so popular? Oh sure, it appeals to the children with all the fantasy land characters and ideas. And yes, there are parents who go just to take their children but it has another appeal deep down inside to those of us who are older, wiser, who really know better. There's something in us that wants to keep alive this mirage of childish optimism. Yes, there's a real appeal to us all to hear, and they all lived happily ever after. It's just another way of saying everything's going to work out all right. But... What does the Bible say about this? Wow, it says plenty. Some folks go so far as to quote a part of a verse to feed their idea that everything's going to work out all right. They quote part of Romans 8.28. And they say, everything works together for the good. But the Bible is not as foolish as we are. It tells the truth. And the truth is this. Life is basically tragic. Some of the facts of life are war, greed, poverty, lust, inequality, unfairness, despair, disease, and death. Throughout the Bible, there's ample evidence to correct our oversimplified optimism. Let me give you some biblical examples. Adam was cast out of the Garden of Eden. Things did not work out very well for Adam, did they? Look at Cain. He was killed by his brother Abel. Things did not work out very well for Cain or Abel. You remember Noah. He saw his neighbors drown, his sons and daughters embarrassed. Things did not work out really very well for Noah. Moses led the people of Israel across the wilderness right up to the land of promise. But he was not allowed to go into the promised land. Things did not really work out very well for Moses in the end. Samuel's sons were a great embarrassment to their old father in his work as a priest. Things did not work out so well for him or for his sons. David in the Old Testament, he was a great man in many respects, but he was also a man of great sins. The Bible says that God saw the thing that David had done. And having Uriah killed 
so he could get Bathsheba. And from there on, things went from bad to worse for David. Things did not work out very well. You remember that Amos told the nation of Israel of their coming doom if they did not repent and turn to the Lord. But Israel did not want to hear. Amaziah, the high priest of Bethel, told Amos to go home and preach in Judah. In fact, in effect, he was saying, don't worry about us here. Everything's going to work out all right. But it didn't. Israel fell to the Assyrians, and great was the fall thereof. And when we move across to the New Testament, we could likewise cite many instances where things did not work out all right. But I want us to look only to one example. Jesus Christ, the main person in all the Bible for us who are Christians. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem and be killed. But they didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to believe him. Be it far from thee, Lord, said Peter. The disciples said he was too pessimistic. But Jesus was right. He did die. The disciples were scattered. Things did not work out too well, at least not initially. You see, the Bible is not filled with fantasy. We are the ones who are eternal children. We are the people of make-believe. Now, you who have heard me preach many times know that my general tone up to this point is quite foreign to my usual way of talking and thinking. For you see, I too am one of those incurable optimists and yet, what I have pictured thus far seems rather dark and bleak, doesn't it? Is there no way? Must all be dark? Yes, there is hope. As Christians, how can we believe that everything's going to work out all right? Well, let me back up. I was talking about Jesus a moment ago. The answer really lies in Jesus Christ. If we look only at the present then it is wrong to say everything works out all right. It's only when we add the element of eternity that it all begins to make sense. Eternity makes everything different. There's no way that all the evils of this world are going to be solved in your lifetime or mine. War, poverty, international tensions, strife between labor and management, prejudice, lust, so many other evils. As much as we like to see these removed, it is really foolish to think that all of these are going to be solved right now. But there is coming a day when God's going to step back into history in a glorious way, even more sudden, more dramatic than when he came as a little baby in Bethlehem. And at that time, he's going to settle all the accounts He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. On one side, he's going to place all the hypocrites, along with those who've complained about hypocrites. You know, they'll finally get together. How about that? On the other side, he's going to put those who know they're sinners, but they've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. If you have an illusion that everything's going to work out all right down here on this earth every time, then you have a false illusion. And you're setting yourself up for disillusion. But when you add the dimension of eternity, then the picture changes. Now comes the big question. 
Do we have to die in order to have this dimension of eternity? The answer is an emphatic no. Jesus has come and the purpose for his coming is to enable us all to participate in this life of eternity now that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, not going to have, not maybe have in the future, but now have eternal life. How can we be at peace with God through surrender to his son, Jesus? That's the way. Eternal life means a new brand of life. We can have that while we're still on this earth. We don't have to die to get it. Life in Jesus Christ is the key to it all. Just as Jesus did not have things work out all right in this life for him, some say, uh, some of us may say things like, well, work out all right for us, but things, you know, look mighty dark and dreary at times. But let's remember, the difficult present is all a part of a larger plan that God has for his own. And that plan is both right and good. And here's where that last part of Romans 8:28 fills in the meaning and gives proper sense to it. When we come to the place where we not only love, but we also trust Jesus as our hope, then we know that our all-wise, our all-loving Father is going to handle it all just right. The Christian can humbly accept all that God allows to come our way. In everything, God is working for the good for those who love him, those who are the called according to his purpose. I heard some time ago about a king who was out hunting. His hunting companion and his gun bearer was a person whose attitude toward life is, whatever occurs, this is for the good. So during the hunting trip, the gun bearer erred in loading the king's rifle, causing a misfire which blew off the king's thumb. When the gun bearer exclaimed, this is good, the king replied, oh, no, it is not. And he had the gun bearer put in jail because the king had lost his thumb by the failure of the gun bearer. Close to a year later, the king was hunting in Africa. This time he was captured by cannibals. They were ready to prepare the king for dinner when they noticed his missing thumb. Being superstitious, the cannibals would not eat someone who was less than whole, so they let the king go. Immediately the king went to the jail to free his gun bearer, who had been in jail ever since. You were right, said the king. This was for the good. I'm so terribly sorry I sent you to jail. No, no, replied the gun bearer. Being in jail, that was good too. What do you mean, said the king? Look how you have suffered for all this time. Yes, replied the gun bearer. But if I weren't in jail, I would have been with you when you were captured by the cannibals, and I would have been eaten. <laughs> I heard about a person who was going to a doctor uh, or a surgeon, and when we go to a, such a person as that, that you know, we, the, the doctor or the surgeon prescribes a course of treatment that sometimes is unpleasant or even painful at times. We've all had that experience, haven't we? But you know, when you trust the wisdom of this person of skill, then you can accept what that person gives, knowing that it's really best for you in the long run. And so it is. 
only to the one who loves and who trusts in God as our Heavenly Father, that all things do work out for the right, because God is working in all things. That's the way it was for Jesus. He showed us the Father. And when we can come to the place where we can firmly focus our eyes on Him, then we can believe everything is going to work out all right. Oh Lord, help us to put our faith and our trust in you. Our vision is so short, our eyesight is limited, and our understanding is meager. But you're all-knowing, all-wise, and all-powerful. Lord, when we put our lives in your hands and know that you're going to direct our steps, then we can have peace within, even when troubles come our way. Father, give us the peace that only Jesus can give. This we pray in the name of the one who is the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen.